Matthew chapter 3, we'll continue as we go verse by verse through the Bible together. Matthew chapter 3. This passage is about the forerunner of Jesus Christ. We go straight from these events in the Gospel of Matthew regarding the birth of Christ and then the return of the family to Nazareth right into the ministry of John the Baptist. Matthew chapter 3, if you'll start with me in verse number 1, the Bible says, In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. And the same John had his raiment of camel's hair, and a leathern girdle about his loins, and his meat was locusts and wild honey. Then went out to him Jerusalem, and all Judea, and all the region round about Jordan, and were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come, bring forth therefore fruits, meet for repentance, and think not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father, for I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Therefore every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water and repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand. And he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. I don't really think that we appreciate as much as we ought the privilege of hearing God's message. If you understand the history of what we're reading... God has basically been silent for about 400 years. We end the book of Malachi and no more prophets are being sent. And for 400 years, Israel does not get a prophet. Can you imagine a society that goes 400 years without having a preacher? That's the society here. I, and, and to break the silence... God sends his prophet with his message. God raises up a prophet. He was born for that purpose. His whole reason to be on the planet was to bear the message of God. If you would just hold your finger right there where we are in Matthew chapter 3 and just turn over chapter 11 because I think it would be good for us to read a couple verses about what Jesus said about John the Baptist. The Bible said in Matthew chapter 11 and verse Number 7, Matthew eleven seven, and as they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning John, 
What went ye out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind? Verse number 9, but what went ye out for to see? A prophet? Yeah, I say unto you, and more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. He calls John the Baptist my messenger. After not hearing a preacher for 400 years, God raises up John and he comes to give God's message. Please understand how important it is in your life for you to get the message of God. It doesn't matter who you listen to if you can't hear the voice of God. God has a message for you. I will say this. I'm concerned that God is growing a little more silent. You say, why do you say that? I, because I, I see a, a lack of what we're reading about here in this text. I see a lack of God's messengers being raised up and being placed out there before people and congregations and the public and letting everybody hear the message of God. There seems to be a death of the message of God, a death of the preachers that are being raised up. And I don't know. I know God is still speaking in the world because we're still here. But it seems to me like he's getting a little more quiet. So when God speaks, you better make sure you listen. He doesn't have to keep speaking to you. He doesn't have to keep speaking to, to me. He doesn't have to keep raising up prophets and sending them. To his own people, would you please heed the warning? To his own people, Israel, no prophet for 400 years, just quiet. And now when John steps on the stage, can you imagine how things were shook up? After not having a preacher or a prophet of the magnitude of this, and now God sends one. I, I just want to say from my heart to God, thank you, God, for the messengers you have sent in my life. Thank you for the preachers that you have put in my path. What is that preacher? He says in Matthew chapter 3, in verse number 3, this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. John is just a voice. His whole life is defined by just being a voice for God. And what God, really, the privilege of our life is for God to put one of his voices to intersect our life so we could hear him speak. He's not speaking from heaven, but he will speak to a preacher. He will speak to your heart. He is the voice. That's all he is is a voice. I want to thank God for this preacher and every voice that God has sent. I never forget, never forget. I went and saw the old preacher that God used to touch my heart before he died. I came back from the mission field just for a time, and I drove to his house way up in years, feeble, and the last thing that old man said to me, couldn't preach anymore, 
He put his arm around me and he said, Brent, God just needs a voice. I wonder, would you like to be the voice of God in somebody else's life? Now, mind you, this, this Jesus said, this preacher, there's not a greater born of women. You remember? Great prophet. What a privilege. What a wonderful thing to be able to be the mouthpiece of God, a voice for God. But I want you not to just thank God for this preacher, but I want you to drop down and see something else about him before I get in the message this morning. I think it's important. Verse 11, Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. John said, I indeed baptize you with water and repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. I have come to the place where I'm not just thankful for the preacher, I'm thankful for a humble one. God deliver us from men who say they are the voice of God and God's man, but have no humility before them. No, not a greater than John the Baptist. And John that says this, he said, the one after me is mightier than I. And John says this, he said, I am not worthy. That's how you know you got a voice of God in your life. When the person that's trying to be the messenger of God understands that they're not worthy. There has been a generation that seemingly that the preacher or the mouthpiece of God or the position of God was exalted such a high place. And, and I'm not trying to undermine the importance of the messenger, but the messenger knew that he was unworthy. Matter of fact, he knew he was so unworthy. He said, I'm not even worthy to bear his shoes. <laughs> Another place he said, I'm not worthy to loosen his shoe latchet. He said, he said I, 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 am not even, I am not even worthy to untie his shoes. And then he went beyond that. He said, I'm not even worthy to carry his shoes. Listen, here's a man that's carrying God's message, but he knows he's not even worthy to carry God's shoes. You see that? Oh, may God give us that kind of heart. Lord, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy of the goodness in my life. I'm not worthy of the blessings in my life. I'm certainly not worthy of your salvation. I'm not worthy of your son. How, how much would our heart be helped if we really had the same attitude as John? I'm not even worried, worthy to carry Jesus' shoes. Now you think about it. Somebody's shoes. That's what their feet go into. That's not even their feet. John says, I'm not even worthy to carry what your feet have been in. What humility. Maybe, maybe we're not going to have any more preachers until we get that kind of attitude. Maybe people don't deserve to hear any more of God's messages unless they get this kind of attitude. We not only don't deserve God speaking to us, but we certainly don't deserve to be a voice for the Lord. What is this preacher doing? The Bible says in verse number 3 of Matthew chapter 3, He's the voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. He's trying to prepare a path for Jesus to come. He's just trying to clear out the brush and make a way for Him, you see. John knows he's not the main event. John's just trying to go beforehand 
and, and get the stuff out of the way so the main event will have a clear path. You got it? You know what would be a great thing in our lives if we would know that we're not the main event? I think sometimes we live our lives like we're the main event. You know, the great purpose of our life, if we would just clear out a path for the Lord to work. If we would just be the one that removed the clutter so that God could be working not only in our lives, but in other people's lives. He said, all I'm doing is trying to prepare the way. That was mentioned in Isaiah chapter 40. That was also mentioned in Malachi chapter 3. So much of the Old Testament even prophesied of John and all he was trying to do was make a way for God. Listen, listen. you know what a God-called preacher is trying to do in your life? He's just trying to make a way for the Lord to help you. Isaiah 40 said this. It said, prophecy of this. He said that that voice in the wilderness was preparing the way of the Lord. He said to make a highway in the desert for the Lord. You know what God's trying to do? He's trying to make a highway in our hearts for his word to have a good place. How well does God drive up and down the corners of your life and mine? Does he have a clear path? That's what preaching is supposed to do. Preaching is supposed to get... Preaching, this is not the main event. The main event is God getting in your heart. The main event is God being in your life. This is just trying to clear out the clutter and the path so there can be a straight highway, a path in your heart and your mind for God to help you and for God to speak to you. That's all John's trying to do. He has no other agenda. He just wants God to have a straight way to people's hearts. Now let's get into the message this morning. Matthew chapter 3, verse number 1. Would you look at it with me? He says, in those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea. God's messenger in an obscure place. You would think if God had not sent a prophet for 400 years that when he did send one, he would send him down to the capital city. You would think certainly he would send him down to the temple where all the people could have a clear shot, a clear view of him and hear his message. You would think that he would send him at least to the synagogues or the local congregations, the where the assemblies of the people met to study the Bible and hear the Bible preached. Or you would think he would send him out into great crowds of people. Would you not? For after 400 years, God's going to send his messenger. Where is he going to send him? He came preaching in the wilderness. In an obscure place. A place where there's not very many people out there. A place that is, the Bible said another place, he calls it a desert. It said that John was really hidden from public view until he was hidden in the deserts until his showing to Israel. But when he stepped on the scene, he stepped on in just the most insignificant place in all the world. And you say, why is that? Because God is... God is not so concerned with the fanfare. He, he's willing to go to the insignificant place. You know what? That gives you hope. God's willing to come to the small place of your wilderness. 
God was willing to bring you the message. He's not just interested in the big wigs or, or the political establishment or, or the religious hierarchy or the masses. He's also interested in the lowly, in the small, in the few, in the out-of-the-way places. He sends his messenger in the wilderness. Not a lot of people out there, and he starts preaching. What a humble man must have been John, knowing, I've I've been prophesied in the Bible. You think he'd have gone downtown, let everybody know that. But he counted it a privilege just to preach in the wilderness where God sent him. Even though it seemed to be a very obscure place. Thank God that his message can go to the wilderness. He said that in verse number three. The voice of one crying in the wilderness. Maybe you'll find God in your life in the very rarest of places. Maybe you'll hear God's voice in the small, obscure places if you're listening close enough. We have missionaries all over the world. Some of them are in cities and towns of millions and millions of people. And some of them are in villages of 100 and 200 people. I'm just saying I thank God that he's willing to send his messenger and bring his message to the obscure place. Aren't you glad that God wasn't interested in just bringing his message to Israel? Aren't you glad he was interested in bringing his message to a bunch of Gentiles, a bunch of heathen? We talk about the deepest, darkest places of Africa that he's willing to send his message. I tell you what, all of the Gentile world were the deepest, darkest heathen places. And yet God's willing to bring his message to him. God's messenger in an obscure place. I give you the second thing. He says in verse number four, and the same John had his raiment of camel's hair and a leathern girdle about his loins and his meat was locusts and wild honey. Any way you cut that, it's weird. I've heard, you know, big commentaries and people that think they're scholars try to explain all this stuff away. They cannot explain away how weird John was. Matter of fact, hold your place. I'll go right back to the text I started in in Matthew 11. Would you go back to Matthew 11? We'll read again what Jesus said about John. He said in in Matthew chapter 11, verse number 7, And as they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning John, What ye went out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind? But what went ye out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in King's houses. You know what he he said, you know, all you guys went out there to hear John. By the way, John did not go to the town. The town came to John. The Bible says in our text in Matthew chapter 3, he says that that all Judea came out to hear him preach. Verse number 5. Then went out to him, Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region around about Jordan. All these people were going. People from the big city, people from miles and miles away, people were flocking out to the wilderness to hear this guy. You know why? He's weird. He is a novelty. He's strange. They don't preach like that down where I go to the synagogue. Matter of fact, when I go down there, I sleep. 
But when I go out in the wilderness, man, it's like a reed shaking in the wind. And you know what Jesus said? Some of y'all just went out there to see him. God's messenger was not, was not only in an obscure place, but God's messenger was an outlandish person. He was an odd person. He broke the mold. You know God does that. God deliver us from robotic Christianity. You know, like cookie cutter. God sends his prophet and boy, he comes out with a leathern girdle about his loin. You know what? He dressed like people dressed a thousand years ago. The same exact dress, the Bible, the way he's dressed, is what it says about Elijah. Now you think about it just a moment. Don't you think fashion would have changed in a thousand years? Elijah's a thousand years before John the Baptist, and he comes and he looks just like that guy. I feel like preaching right there, but I need to move on. Yeah. He looks like a preacher. The Bible said those prophets in Zechariah chapter 13 said those prophets wore rough garments. The prophets did. Rough garments. He said, preacher, you got soft clothes. Yeah, I know. I'm not John the Baptist. I'm, I'm your pastor. He didn't say the pastor wore rough garments, but he said those prophets did. They were rough. By the way, here, here, here's something else to help you. John was odd as he could be. Jesus was not. See, I, I want to be like Jesus. I appreciate John. Matter of fact, I appreciate the Johns that God's brought in my life, but I want to be like Jesus. I, I'm not trying to be like John. Matter of fact, they, when they came to Jesus, they said, you know, you're not like John. And Jesus said, you know what? You criticize him for what he didn't do, and you're criticizing me for what I... You, you're criticizing both of us. You don't want either one of us. Doesn't matter how the package is wrapped. But let me say this. When we're more concerned about personality than preaching, we got a problem. Right. Amen. John the Baptist is not, he is not a personality that you want to bring to your house. He's rough, rough as a cob. That doesn't mean he doesn't care about you. That doesn't mean that he doesn't have a heart for God. He is God's messenger, and he doesn't wear soft clothes. He wears rough clothes. And he's a rough preacher. And he looks almost like a caveman. He's eating locusts and wild honey. I think it's so funny. People have tried to dress up John because, you know, he just looks too odd. We we can't have a preacher that looks this too weird. So locusts, what locusts really is, is a form of seafood. (laughs) You'd be surprised what they write in books about the Bible. The problem with that is you go to the book of Leviticus, and Leviticus talks about the fact that God told the Jews they could eat locusts. That's in the Bible. Had a weird diet. He ate locusts, now watch it, and wild honey. I look at every word, but didn't say he ate locusts and honey. He ate wild honey. You know why? He looks wild. You are not going to find John the Baptist at the grocery store. He didn't get his honey there. 
He gets it in the wild. Do you see? He's not mixing and mingling with people. What I'm trying to tell you is what the devil tries to do in your life is to dress up some other messenger to make it more palatable to you. And what I'm trying to tell you is you need to receive God's message even if he gives it to you through an oddball. Because God ain't preaching through the rabbis. God's not speaking through the priest. He's speaking through the outlandish man. He wouldn't have a TV ministry. He would not be appreciated on the radio. He's just a reed shaking with the wind. He's, I don't know how much he shook out there and it's preaching. We had a, a Romanian guy, a college student, come when I was a missionary there. Never been to church, never heard a preacher in all of his life. He's a you know, Romanian Orthodox. He came in, sat down. And I got to preaching, and I, I wasn't even fired up. His eyes got big. Freaked out after the message. He said, they said, how did you? So his friends got around him. We're trying to you know, get him saved, get him to trust Christ as Savior. And they said, what did you think about the message? I thought the guy was going to hit me. But you know what? That young man wound up getting saved. It doesn't matter what the package is. It matters what gets in your heart from God, you see. This guy is a man's man and he's preaching. God deliver us from effeminate Christianity. I'd rather have a reed shaking in the wind. I'd rather have what I'm reading about here in this prophet. He is a novelty. They come out to see him. They come out to watch him. His personality isn't all that great. But he's giving them the message of God. I see God's messenger in an obscure place. I see God's messenger is an outlandish or an odd person. And then lastly, God's messenger delivers an offensive, gives offensive preaching. Offensive preaching. He didn't show up and tell them how they were the chosen people of God and how much God appreciated them. That wasn't God's message. Matter of fact, it was rather offensive. His preaching was offensive. It's still offensive. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 3, verse number 2, watch the offense. I'll, I'll give it to you in just a few, a few sub-points. And saying... Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Look at verse number 8. Bring forth therefore fruits, meet for repentance. Verse number 11. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. His message is offensive because he's telling them that they need to repent. Repentance is still an offensive message. Repentance is a change of heart. It's a change of mind. And he say, you people need to change. You need to repent. You need to change the way you think. Your heart needs to be changed. And you need to have some godly sorrow 
When Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he talks about repentance and he says, Godly sorrow works repentance unto salvation. Now, he's talking about being sorry, not just for what they've done. Godly sorrow. Now, watch this about repentance. And I'm not going to preach a whole message on repentance. I'm just going to tell you how offensive that is when you tell people they need to repent. And by the way, if you're saved in here, you need to repent too. When God spoke, the last messages God spoke to the church was not Philippians, though I love it. The last messages God spoke to the church, read the first three chapters of Revelation. What did he tell his own people? What did he tell the church? He said, repent. It's not just the heathen that need to repent. All of us need to repent. But that's offensive. When the Bible talks about repentance, it says godly sorrow works repentance unto salvation. It's not sorrow about what I've done. It's sorrow about who I am. Guys, there's such a difference. And here's why a lot of people don't repent. Because they look at their lives and they say, well, I haven't done really, I haven't done that many bad things. Yeah, but but let let me tell you. (laughs) Let, let, Let me be the prophet. You are a bad person. Is that, is that a good message this morning? Is that preacher you're telling us? Yeah, we're all bad people. It's called sinners. <laughs> sinners are bad people. <laughs> we have something broken in us. We are born sinners. We are born depraved. We are born with the wrong mind and the wrong heart. That's why we need to be born again. And we don't need to repent just because I killed somebody or I committed adultery. I am sinful all the way through. And I'm sorry for what I am. I only sin because of what I am. I only do what I do because of the person I am. John the Baptist says, you people need to repent. You need a change in your life. When you look at that word repentance, I've even had brethren. I preached in an independent Baptist circle of people not just this past year, and they got on to me for preaching about repentance. Yeah. And, and, and they said, well, you know, we, 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 just, we just want to be positive, tell people to believe on the Lord. Well, I tell people to believe on the Lord too. But it's, it's the same coin. You can't turn to God without turning from idols. You can't start believing in God until you quit believing in yourself and believing in your religion and believing in your sin. That's why the Bible says God hath commanded all men everywhere to repent. Acts chapter 17. That's why Paul preached repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. We all need a change. That's offensive. John says, you need to repent. By the way, Jesus preached the same message. He preached the same message as John. You guys, you guys need to repent. As long as you think you're all right, <laughs> you're not only going to get any help, not going to get any help, you're not going to get a kingdom. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is hand. Until you repent, there ain't no kingdom and there ain't no heaven and there's no king for you because the king that wants to be king in your life will only be king of your life if you have a repentant heart. As long as you're on your pedestal and you don't think you need to change, God's not in five miles of you. We all, we all need repentance, guys. Yes, sir. 
We're all in need of, we all need to repent of something. But you know what people think? They don't think they need to change. They think God needs to change. They don't think they need to change. They think their neighbor needs to change. They don't think they need a change in their life. They think my life needs to change. If my life would just change. Society, that's the problem. If society would just change. And the message of God is that God doesn't need to change and life doesn't need to change and society doesn't need to change and other people don't need to change. You need to change your heart and your mind. You're the one that needs to change. What a message. And God, you know, John the Baptist, he said in another place that he was sent to turn the hearts. He said that in Luke. He said that in Malachi. John the Baptist was sent to turn the hearts. You know what God's message, the attempt of God's message is to turn us. It's to turn our hearts the direction that it needs to go. He's going to turn the hearts of the, he said, the children to the fathers and the fathers to the children. He's trying to get everybody's heart to turn toward God. That, that takes repentance, guys. That, that, that's an understanding that I know I need to turn. <laughs> There's something that needs to change in me. And that is the offensive message of John the Baptist. And man thinks God should repent of having such harsh laws instead of thinking he needs to repent for breaking them. Man wants a salvation without repentance and a heaven without a hell and pleasure without punishment. And a relationship with God without any change in their heart and mind. They want God to be the one to change. And God's message is, though how offensive it may be, is you're headed on the wrong road and you need to turn. You need to turn to God. His message is offensive because it deals with repentance. His message is offensive because it deals with sin. The Bible says for us in verse, would you look at it, verse number 6 of Matthew chapter 3, and we're baptized of him in Jordan confessing their sins. He's dealing with sins. It's offensive when you preach on sins. Guys, I just preach through the Bible. I don't have hobby horses. I said before, I ride all of them. I'm not, there's no hobby horse I have. But here's how you know. When you preach through the Bible, you can't help but preach about sin because that's what is destroying us. But that's offensive. That's why people turn on. They don't turn on TV preachers and, and, and go to liberal churches to hear somebody preach on their sin. Make me feel better about my sin and I'll, I'll come back. Most people go to church to feel good about the life they're living in disobedience to God. And you know that, or they would find a church that would preach on their sins so they could get some correction and help. That's offensive, though, when you preach about sin. He said in verse number 3, prepare you the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John's trying to get people to go straight. That's a good word in our society, straight. 
Are you straight? Pretty good word, isn't it? Well, if you're not straight, you're twisted. If you're not straight, you're crooked. But you know, here, here's the truth. There's probably something that's not all that straight in every one of us. There's probably a crook. There's probably a twist. There's probably something that's not straight. God's wanting to get you straight. But the good thing about God, He can take a crooked stick and He can make it straight. Because if we'll change our minds, He'll change us. He can make us straight. God for that which is straight. Jesus said straight is the gate. Narrow is the way. John is preaching it straight. Oh God, give us preachers that will preach it straight and give us Christians that will live their lives straight like you want them to live. But that's offensive. That's offensive. It's offensive also because he's not just preaching this to harlots. He's not just preaching this to drunk people or people that don't go to church. Would you look at verse 7? God's messenger had offensive preaching. Look at verse 7. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come, bring forth therefore fruits meet for repentance. He didn't just tell the bad people to repent. He, he told the Pharisees to repent. The Pharisees come to his baptism, I'm convinced, not to get baptized. <laughs> Probably to get all the dirt on all of the locals. Because they're going down in the water confessing their sins. They came for the show. Well, I wonder how many wicked people will get right with God today. And John turns to them and says, you are the wicked people. (laughs) You are a generation of vipers. How offensive. You're a snake and your daddy was a snake and your granddaddy's a snake. Your whole family, you're in a pit of snakes. The next time you think somebody's preaching mean, you need to read the Bible. You're a snake is what you are. He's preaching that to the best dressed people in the crowd. He's preaching that to people that fast twice in the week and give tithes of all that they possess. He's preaching that to people that have given their lives to the study of the Bible. I never forget, I asked my pediatrician, I was about to leave and uh, go to college, never come back to Alabama, I thought. <laughs> and he had been my pediatrician, my brother, since, you know, I was a baby. Helped so many people. And God spoke to my heart and said, are you going to witness to Dr. Pitt? He's an old man. Before he dies, you're going to never see him again. I sat down, I gave him the gospel. He was so offended. Do you, young man, do you know how many people I have helped? Do you know how many lives I've saved? Yes, sir, and I I appreciate you. You've been a wonderful doctor to our family, but 
you're a sinner like everybody else and you need Jesus. We'll talk no more on that, young man. Offensive. You tell good people they need to be saved, it's offensive. You tell good people they need God. You tell religious people they need God. You tell people, amen, that have all their I's dotted and all their T's crossed and have all their perfect little uh, uh, sanitized lives that look so perfect. You tell them they need to repent and humble themselves before God. It's offensive. But I've never yet seen anybody that didn't need to repent. And I've never yet seen anybody where the serpent wasn't crawling around and lurking in their heart and mind. John turns to him and said, you guys need to be baptized. You need to repent. But I tell you what, I'm not even going to baptize any of you until you prove that you repented. He was not trying to get another number on the roll, brother. I'm not even going to baptize you until y'all get right with God. Can you see them in all of their religious dress? Who do you think you're talking to? Just try to witness to an unsaved deacon of some church and see what you get. You know, I welcome. Anybody ask me if I'm saved, I take it as a compliment. Anybody ask me, you ever, ever came a time in your life you knew you were a sinner and you humble? Yeah, I appreciate that. But how offensive is it? It's offensive because of the crowd that he tells. Look, look what he says to them. I'm about finished. He says in verse... Uh, number nine, he, he answers them before they can even talk. <laughs> what a preacher. I mean, he just called a bunch of snakes and told them they need to, to, to show that they're repentant before he'd ever baptize them. And before they can say a word, verse number nine, and think not to say within yourselves. <laughs> He's preaching to them about what's in their brain. What God called preacher pinpoint stuff in your heart and brain that you've not even said think not to say within yourselves we have Abraham to our father for I say unto you that God is able to of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham you know what he says I don't care who your dad is you need God I don't care who your family is I don't care how long you've been going to church you need God you think you're children of Abraham and you're all right? God can make children to Abraham from these stones. You know what he's saying? God don't need you. You need him. God can grab these stones down here and bring pop children out of them. You say, well, that's a crazy thing to say. Well, God made it out of dust. I think if he made it out of dust, he can make it out of a stone. God doesn't need you guys, but you sure need him. How offensive that is. And lastly, it's offensive because of the judgment he preached in verse number 10. I don't like preaching about judgment. I don't even preach on hell unless God makes me and tells me to. I will. I'll preach whatever he wants me to preach. I don't get a joy of preaching fire and brimstone. I don't. I don't. I get burdened when I do that. But he says here in verse number 10, And now also the axe is laid into the root of the trees. Therefore every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. 
He said, guys, God is about to take his axe to the root of your life and cut you down and throw you into the fire. Verse number 11, whose fan is in his hand and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner. What he's saying, when they separated the chaff from the wheat, they would fan it and the fan would separate the bad from the good. And he says, God is bringing judgment in your life to separate you because he says in the rest of the verse, verse number 12, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. What a message of judgment. We live in a society that does not believe in judgment. They do not believe in judging themselves, let alone that God has a judgment of unquenchable fire. I'm just saying that's very offensive. But oh, without that messenger, the king's not coming to town. You see? The message is going to bring the king into the town. And what we need, we need to hear, oh, if we would just say, God, whatever you want to tell me, whatever you want to correct in me, however you want to speak to me, I'm just glad you are speaking to me. I'm just glad I have your message. I don't want to go 400 years without hearing your voice. Say whatever you want to say and turn around in me whatever you want to turn. Because I need the king. I need God.